um, we are kind of starting a new series-ish, but our focus, you know, this last year was taste and see that God is good. And we really wanted to focus on one, that each one of us would come expecting to taste and see that God is good. Not expecting to come when it's convenient for us to come. Not expecting to come when we get a good night's sleep on Saturday night and we, we wake up and our kids are all in the best moods and, you know, we're, we're, everything is just going the way it should. The weather isn't too bad where it's scary to drive, but it's also not too good where I'd rather be out at the lake. But we come to taste and see that God is good with each other, knowing that God wants to do something in us and he wants to do something through us. But it's also a call that's out there saying we want others to come and taste and see that God is good. That tasting and seeing isn't just for us. If you find a good restaurant that you really like, you typically tell people about it. If you think your grandma makes the best lasagna, you usually brag about it. I believe my mom makes the best cheesecake. And so my birthday, I always have her make me a cheesecake because to me, it is the best cheesecake. I'm sorry, who here thinks they make a pretty good cheesecake? I just want you to know it's not that good, okay? (laughs) So we tell people about it. We want people to be able to come to the table of the Lord and really taste and see that God is good. Man, you maybe were at a church before and something negative happened. You maybe were here and I was part of the problem. You're not raising your hand on that one. <laughs> Regardless of what it is, maybe you grew up in a, the way, you know, the way you were raised, it's hard for you to know that, but is wanting you to know that one, there is a seat for you at the table. That Jesus is inviting you to come and sit and taste and see that God is good. This year, we want his kingdom to come and we want his will to be done. That's why we focused on how did the Israelites respond to God saying, listen, I want you guys to be set apart. I want to do something unique in and through you. And he gave them like, what I read earlier is just these simple guidelines of just to love him with all that they were and to trust him. And there became that became very difficult. And so what ended up happening is they weren't able to see it. They weren't able to fully see his kingdom. They weren't able to fully experience his will, but that we would not just come and do church, but that we would come and we would be the church. We would come together in community, in fellowship, supporting one another, encouraging one another, but with a heart of Lord More than anything else, we want your kingdom to come. Not just our pay raise to come, not just for our rebellious kid to obey, not just for our car that's broken down to get fixed, not just for our bigger um, place to live to appear, but God, we want your kingdom to come more than anything else. And Lord, before my ideas, my plans which are really amazing. Lord, I want your will to be done. Not my will, your will. And so that's what we want to focus on. 
And we really want to spend some time as we get going in this on looking at what does it mean to be set apart. And so he told the Israelites they were to be set apart. And set apart that they were to, they were to operate differently than the way everyone else operated. Not always because the thing that he asked them to do was better than, but because it was so that they would look different. So people would know that they're set apart. And God wants us to be set apart. And so we want to begin this year by setting ourselves apart and really focusing on God in that way. So on this day one, practice a little Spanish, day uno, of 2023, I thought we would start as God started. So if you would open your Bibles to Genesis 1. Huh? Anybody see that one coming? We are starting a 365-day and 365-chapter Bible overview reading program plan. And um, ushers, will you pass these out? Um, some of you might need your magnifying glass to read it. And we debated, do you go bigger paper or do you make it to where it can fit in people's Bibles? Obviously, we chose fit in people's Bibles. Uh, we'll also put a digital copy on the realm, but it's just one chapter a day. It is in chronological order. So it's going to be a tad bit confusing if you've never read the Bible in chronological order because you're going to jump around. Um, but the idea is we're going to get an overview of the Bible. Did we, to have 365 key chapters, does that mean that we cut out chapters? Yes, I asked Bill Scheidler to just cut out the remaining chapters that he didn't think needed to be in the reading plan. And so he did that. <clears throat> We're not saying those chapters aren't important. We're just, here's the goal. Many of us have tried to do a reading plan before where we set out to read the whole Bible in a year and we get we joked about it. Darcy joked when she was doing Leviticus that it is where all reading plans die. And, you know, we get to the end of February, the beginning of March, and we stop. The idea here is for one, us to be in unity and read together. There is power when we read together. That's one thing. Two is for us, no matter where we are in our Bible reading, Reading one chapter a day is doable. I just want to come out and say that every person in this room right now is capable, fully capable of reading one chapter a day. Yeah. Right. Say, I am capable. I'm capable. Okay? We are all capable of doing it. We're also capable of missing a day just because the day happened the way it happened and catching up in reading today's chapter and reading yesterday's chapter. Say, I am capable. I am capable. Yes, we are capable. Yeah. The idea is that every single one of us, one, will be on the same page when it comes to that, and two, by the end of the year, no matter if this is our first time walking into church or whether we were raised in the church, no matter how many times we've read through the Bible or haven't read through the Bible, that we would have a basic understanding of the biblical story. Now, here's the neat thing. This is where empowerment sets in. Is if you, how many Psalms and Proverbs readers are out there? Like, you just got to read your Psalms and Proverbs every day. You know what? That's why it's only one chapter. Be blessed. Keep reading your Psalms and Proverbs. Add that on. How many of you have to read a little bit of the Old Testament and a little bit of the New Testament every day? Come on. 
keep doing it. You can just keep doing it. And you can add your individual plans to this however you want. But I would ask to, yeah, I'm going to say please, to please give this a shot and read it. And I think there's something special that God will do in us as a church family as we stay in the Bible together. So today being January 1st, uh, the Bible reading is Genesis 1. So here we go. Genesis 1 out of the New Living. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. All right, time to create division. You guys ready for this? How many people are going to say that you are of the camp that a day in Genesis was 24 hours of creation? And it is okay. We all have our different opinions. Come on, raise it. Be proud. 24-hour dayers. Here we go. How many of you would say that the day could have been potentially 100 years in our minds as our calendar and clock would have spun? Anybody? A couple of you? Come on. Oh, I even have a double-hander back here. Um, Here's the deal. What we're saying is God created the heavens and the earth. That he formed it, he took something that didn't exist, and he created it. Okay? And so we're reading this as the story of how God created the world and how God created you and I and what his goal was and how he set it into motion. So we got day and we got night. Where am I at here? Thank you, everybody. You're reading along. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called this space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day, a.k.a. or the second hundred years, a.k.a. or however you want to define that. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place. So dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land in the water seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation. Every sort of seed bearing plant and trees that grow seed bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation. All sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. As we read this, think about the beauty and the, the wonder of what's taking place. You know, we can read this as just a Christian story. We can read it as, a, um, as just an explanation We're almost like, maybe don't even read along with me. Close your eyes and you imagine it. 
But just how amazing this is, that nothing was there. I don't know if you've ever tried to create something out of clay or draw something. I'm not naturally artistic. So one, I didn't grow up naturally finding wonder in beauty in nature or in art. Uh, it's something that I've had to learn, but more and more, I am more amazed by it and just enamored by it, just the beauty in it and the shapes and the style and the form and all of that. So here in verse 13, and then evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. Let them be signs to mark seasons, days and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fourth day. I just want you day Believers out there, there is some good argument for believing they were days because you have morning and night. Just want to throw that out there for you. Then God said, verse 20, then God said, let the water swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures, which freak me out, and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry, along the ground in wild animals. Again, the scurrying animals on the ground are a little bit freaky. And that is what happened. God bless the American bison, my favorite animal in the world. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. What a pleasant, wonderful place. And we're going to rest there on that one. We're not going to 
we're going to keep reading on another day. And woe, we're just going to be good with that. But how amazing creation is. And again, regardless of how you think God ended up creating the world, the amount of time that it took, it doesn't take away from the majesty of the creation. It doesn't take away from the wonder. And it doesn't take away from his purpose of the creation and what he wanted to see happen. And what we see as we, and as we will see as we continue reading on, is how God's desire was to dwell. It's always been to dwell with his people. He wanted to dwell with Adam and Eve. He wanted to walk with them in the garden. He wanted to be with them. Later we see that's exactly what he wanted to do with the Israelites. He, he had them build this tent where his presence would dwell there. And that he would lead them when it was time to go. He would lead them because he wanted to stay with them. He, he, the tent was supposed to be in the middle because he wanted to dwell with all of us. He wanted to be at the center of all of our lives. What he asks us to do is to have no other gods besides him. To put nothing else ahead of him. To not make anything else have more importance than him. Yeah. And so it's always been his desire for you and I and those that have gone before us to be set apart. Where we would set ourselves apart and focus on who he is. Now, I think sometimes what happens, I know for myself, is it's easy to kind of just lose focus of it. Now, here in a bit, we're going to take communion. We're going to listen to a song called Home, and it's about going home. And I just think that Jeremy Riddle in the song does a great job. Uh, I've never been enamored by the idea that heaven is full of gold, okay? I would much rather it have um, slate, I would much rather it have a whole bunch of redwood trees. I would like there to be, anybody here ever go to Disneyland and you did Soaring Over California? That's heaven right there. I tell you what, the, you smell the oranges and you kind of get the salt water and you go around. So the whole idea that I'm walking on gold, and I've been more of a silver guy myself, okay? I'm more of a silver guy. so. The gold in my skin complexion just don't jive super well. So it never enamored me in that. And like I said, I've never been much of a creator. And so creation also didn't quite enamor me. Now I've been enamored by the love of God. I love the presence of God. Um, hence why the majority of times I come up here, I can't read. Like I had to wipe my eyes so many times because I kept trying to read the scripture and I couldn't figure out. And so I stayed down for a little bit till I could get them clear and see because I love the presence of God. But some of those other things have been a little bit of a struggle for me. But the problem when it, it's a struggle for us and we aren't enamored by it is then there isn't the same desire to get there and to be in the presence of God for eternity. So then what happens if our mind isn't set on the kingdom of God and his will, then it has to be set on something. So where does my mind go? It goes from that to right where I'm at. Now, we got to be aware of where we're at. I'm not trying to diminish that. We need to plan. I, I grew up um, with some people that were in ministry, and they all were 
pretty bent on the fact that before into the 1980s, man, if God was really delayed, it'd be in the 1990s, he was coming back. So you didn't need a plan for retirement. You didn't need to think through your health, anything, because he was coming back. And it was going to happen, and so you didn't have to prepare. we got to be good stewards. we got to be aware of, of what we're doing. But there is a tension where we need to be good stewards. We pay our bills. We do what we need to do. We need to take care of the bodies God has given us. Um, we do need to think and, and, and prepare with wisdom for tomorrow. You see, God led Joseph to Egypt for the purpose of helping a group of people by saving up and storing for the future. But he wasn't led to save and store in fear. He was led with wisdom by God to do that, to then save a group of people. We used to have food storage in our house. Now it's for earthquakes and stuff like that. But it was interesting, all the cans that were underneath our stairs, they all had like pictures of the end times on them. So maybe that was just the company we were buying them from. I don't know. I also, you know, we couldn't brush our teeth with anything that Procter & Gamble made because then we were ushering in the opposite of the kingdom of God coming back. So it was confusing times back then. But so we, we got we to gotta stay focused on, yes, we got to be good stewards. But we can't lose our wonder. We can't lose the majesty of who God is in his creation and what heaven is. And that we are here to not just live our life, whether you think that's 73 years or you think that's 89 years or you think it's 106 or whatever you think a good life represents. It's not just about that. It's about serving God every day that you have a chance to live and to breathe and seeing that you're here to be set apart and to represent him as his ambassador. That's what God wanted mankind to be, was to represent him. When it says we are created in his image, obviously we don't all look exactly the same. I would like to think that God shares a resemblance to me, but just still with a lot of hair. Um, I wouldn't want him to have to go through what I've gone through. But he, what he, it's not so much that each one of us looks exactly like him. It's that our character, the way we operate, and we were supposed to represent him to others in that representation. So how are we going to do this? I don't know. It's really complicated. And we cut all those chapters out of the Bible, and we won't be reading them, so I don't know what to do. <laughs> couple things here that we want to focus on as we go through um, into this next year, where what we want to do is we want to try to do our best to be a set-apart people that truly focus on his kingdom coming and his will being done. So looking through the Lord's prayer, God gave us an instrument in how to pray, and we'll look through that in the next couple weeks. It's powerful. It is not just something... I. I Went to a Christian private school. I did homeschool. I did Nazarene. And I also did Catholic. And in all those settings, uh, we got to recite the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis. Um, sometimes even multiple times during the day. 
And, but it became this thing that we just recited. And so I didn't really learn the meaning of it. It was just kind of like the Pledge of Allegiance or you know, we were doing a lot of the Pledge of the Christian Flag and all these different things. But there is so much depth in it if we actually walk through the steps of what that prayer, what Jesus said, this is how you should pray. There was meaning in it. We want to slow down. There's impact when we slow down. Why slow down? Because it gives us a time to actually hear what God is saying. I think if we slow down more, which kind of ties in with even Sabbath rest, you and I wouldn't have the budget problems as many as we have right now. Because when we're running too fast, that's when Tamar and I decide, well, we didn't slow down to plan our grocery list and to think through our schedule this week. So therefore, we have to go out to eat. And we have to spend this. And we, you know, we have to do all these things. And it gets so, it gets stacked up. We, we didn't slow down to take care of things in our life. And so then all of a sudden, all these other things start taking place. We live in a broken world. And things are going to happen to us, regardless of how slow we're going. Okay, you could just lay in bed and things are going to happen. But the idea is, do we slow down enough to hear God and to actually seek first his kingdom? So we want to slow down. We want to, do our, we want to be in the Bible every day. Jesus used the word of God when he was being tempted when he was being pulled away from hay and then tempted with, what about your life? What about moving yourself forward? What about getting that promotion? What about uh, people, you know, the attention being on you? And what about your comfort? When he was being tempted with that, what did he use? He used scripture. You and I need to use scripture, but we can't use scripture unless we read scripture. But it's not just reading it. It's meditating on it. So that's great if you want to read through the Bible super fast, but really what God wants us to do is meditate on it because he wants it to be living and breathing in us where it's not just knowledge, but it's something inside of us. It influences the way we talk to each other, the way we care for one another, the way we chase after God. It should be something that is flowing out of us. Because it's changed us because we've meditated on it. We want to have breakthrough prayer. Now, each one of us needs to have prayer in our own personal life, conversation with God. But here in January, we always kind of set aside this month and we we don't do as, as much with like community groups and community life and discipleship ministries. We focus on coming together, one, and unifying ourselves as a church family, but also putting more time into some of these other things. And I want to ask whether you can do it for five minutes, whether you can do it for 10 minutes, whether you can do it for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, is to try to make time between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., if you're able, to come here and to pray. Is anything special, is there more power in you being here than you being in your car at home? No, okay? So I'm not saying that. But there's something, again, about the unity of it. God blesses unity, and he blesses when we come together. He blesses when we, we kind of allow ourselves to be a tad bit inconvenienced for us to be unified with one another. He comes and he does something with that. But even if you can't come, is that you still take time to look at the list 
on the realm, and it's broken into two parts. There's contending. What are we contending for? And there's what do we want to see released? We want to give ourselves to that believing for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Giving. Oh, we're talking about money here now. Whatever your, your, your feeling is on, on giving in the church, I want to challenge you to, God told us to test him. Test God. Step out. Follow God's leading and say, Lord, how do you want me to give? You know, in, in scripture, you see the tithe. And the tithe was, it actually means 10%. And so we can debate the actual percentage, but it means 10. Again, test God on how you want to do that. Uh, you start with 1% and then go to 2 and then go to 2.3. If it's worth more time for you to figure out what that is, do it. But they tithed to take care of the, of the, the Levites, like the church staff, and to take care of the church structure and the facility and that kind of thing. But above the tithe was an offering. There were offerings, simplifying this. There was offerings that that where people came with gratitude. People came above and beyond saying, Lord, what I have is yours. But above that is, God, I want to I show my appreciation of everything you're doing for me in giving that. There was also care, where they, where they gave to care for one another. Whether that be um, intangible things like food, whether it be helping, you know, pay for rent or these different things, these different resources is there was caring. There was also outreach to bless those outside of us. That was like the foreigner. There was, there was outreach there to bless them. And then there was also to see the kingdom of God move forward. We call that global impact, extension ministries. I wanna, we want to challenge ourselves to become givers. Many times in all these things, and then we go into Sabbath rest. And the last one is putting on the armor of God. Many of us are good in one area and not so good in the other. You could be an amazing Bible reader, but you're terrible at resting in the presence of God. You could be an amazing giver, but you struggle to open your Bible and to meditate on Scripture. We can have these different things. What we want to be is where we're set apart. You know, the thing that comes against every single one of these is the same for you and I, is the same thing that came against them with the Israelites. And it's that we're scared that if we do this, our mind says that then our life here and now, we're going to lose control of it. We're going to lose our grip on it. And what's going to happen? We start asking ourselves all these questions. I believe that's why God actually asked the Israelites and asked us as believers because he wants us to trust him. He wants us to put our faith in him and to believe in him. Ushers, will you guys come up and um, begin to pass out the elements? I don't know how many of you guys watch It's a Wonderful Life. And yeah, you guys can, as Mike directs. Thank you, Mike. I don't know how many of you guys watch It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas. Any of you? I had somebody the other day, I forget who it was. Robbie Schaefer, was it you saying that you had never read it? 
or watched it. It's a Wonderful Life. Was that you? Or you? You have? It was somebody. I forget who it was. Somebody was saying they had never watched. It. I couldn't believe. It. I didn't know you could like live and not watch. It's a Wonderful Life. <clears throat> but in the office, underneath his dad's picture, there's a quote, and it says, "All you can take with you is that which you've given away." And I love it. It's an idea, though, that really, at the end of the day, what you and I take with us to heaven is that which we gave away. It's that which God put in us and we began to share with others. We blessed others with. And it's having a mindset on the kingdom of God in the kingdom of heaven. So as they, um, for time, what we're going to do is, uh, will you guys play that song as they continue to pass this out? But what I ask is this. We just take a minute reflect on the wonder of creation, and we reflect on the wonder of heaven. And we get our minds out of just our current lives and our current needs, and we fix our eyes on heaven. What's that have to do with communion? What we hold in our hand is a representation of what Jesus did for each and every single one of us in this room so that we can then be made right with God, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can actually go home and we can dwell with God in that way. So will you guys play that song?
thank you for your beauty. I want to thank you for how much you love each and every single one of us that you, you make us beautiful. Lord, you put beautiful things in each one of us. Lord, you've made the earth beautiful. We can mess it up. We can destroy things, but there's beauty all around us. God, I remember what it was like to even as a kid, be so excited to go to my grandparents' house. I, I could sense what it would smell like. I had traditions that I was pretty certain we were going to experience. There's an anticipation. God, I want there to be an anticipation of what it is to go home, to be with you. And God, that that excitement, that even as I would pack my bags and, and get prepared, think through outfits and think through what supplies I need, that God, there would be a new excitement to prepare for the kingdom of God, a new excitement to see the joy that it is to walk with you here right now, to represent you as your hands and feet, to be your ambassador, but in that would also be a longing to be with you, to be and dwell with you right now, but also the joy that it's going to be to just be with you for eternity. That we don't take this juice and, and eat this cracker to represent just us having a better life today or for, for things to just go our way right now. But it represents Jesus that you made a way for each one of us. If we would put our trust, if we would put our faith, if we would put our hope, if we would say that I want to turn from my own selfish living and I want to follow you, I want to become your disciple. So this morning, God, we want to be your disciples. Train us, teach us that every one of us would see ourselves as priests, as called, as anointed to bring you glory, God. So Lord, we remember today the sacrifice you made to bring us home, the sacrifice you made to put us in unity, the sacrifice you made for us to represent you. Let's take the bread and the juice.